Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes, written by Brandon Braga and Andre Romanis, and directed by John Cassar. It's an awkward title. I honestly took a lot of time Googling to make sure it was correct. And then as I watched the episode, I was like, oh, it's from The King and I. Exactly. But still, it's very, it's a weird title. (laughs) It bothers me that it's grammatically the way it is. I agree because I'm very much like, wait, this, this, they wouldn't do this on purpose. And then they did this on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But at least it's a direct quote. It's not their fault. It's intentional. So we can all go to bed at night knowing that. We have no new reviews this week, but if you would like us to read one of your reviews on an upcoming episode, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and write a review, and we will probably read it on an upcoming episode. If you'd like to email us, you can do so at quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. And if you'd like to join our Discord and chat about the show with us, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. What do we have for trivia this week? There's not a ton this week, but I do have a couple things. Gordon was learning how to become a captain or trying Mm -hmm. to learn how to become a captain. There was a part during the command simulation about a new weapon that reflects an attack back upon the attacker. So it's kind of like we have this really crazy deflector. So it's like attacking yourself kind of thing. It's an homage to Captain Kirk's bluff in Star Trek, the original series. I believe it's called the episode, The Carbomite Maneuver. The Carbomite Maneuver, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I actually, uh, yeah, and we'll talk about it in the episode, but I enjoyed all of those sequences. Yeah, that was fun. Despite being in the guest cast, Chad L. Coleman, who plays Clyden, is not in the episode. Oh, true. Yeah, no Clyden this episode. Mm -hmm. And I watched, his name comes up on screen, and then he's just not in the episode. So I wonder if he was originally, and he got on the cutting room floor, or maybe... It was a mistake. I just think that's interesting that that was in the episode. Yeah, I can see them having shot something and just left the credit in and it just didn't wind up in the episode. Yeah. Another thing that is similar to Chad Alcoman being in the episode or not being in the episode, Isaac appears in this episode, but he doesn't have any lines. That's true. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder as an actor if it's just like, yeah, we just need you to stand over here for a little bit, like right. what that's like. I mean, maybe he didn't have lines and they that also got cut out. Either way, he's not featured too prominently either, but mm-hmm. having to go through wardrobe and makeup and all that stuff would probably be a little obnoxious if you're just like, yeah, I'm not doing anything this time. <laughs> I know. I've always wondered or always wondered how filming these episodes, like, do they get Isaac dressed up? And they film a bunch of things or is it just like episode by episode? Mm, I imagine it's episode by episode, but it also depends on probably location. Yeah. Because every now and then I imagine they can do like some of the bridge stuff from multiple episodes all at once because things get filmed out of order all the time. Mm -hmm. The plot of this episode also resembles an episode from Star Trek Discovery. There is an enemy alien that resembles a human or made to resemble a human. And they both had the surname Tyler in the Star Trek show and on the Orville. That occurred to me when I watched this the first time, because I actually have seen the first season of Discovery. And that was a big plot twist in Discovery. Mm -hmm. But it is apparently purely coincidence that they both have the surname Tyler. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting, too, because of all of all the names, Tyler is the, the same. It's the same. 
There are two songs in this episode by Billy Joel. So if you don't know much about Billy Joel, they featured a song called Don't Ask Me Why, which was playing during Ed and Janelle's trip to Sensoria 2. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, in the goodbye montage, um, She's Always a Woman, which mm-hmm. I really like that song. And I thought it was very fitting for the end of this episode. Yeah, really good song. What's interesting about this is since Alara's not in the episode, because Alara's now no longer a part of the show, mm-hmm. this was the only episode so far that did not have a Zelayan featured. Oh, yeah. Good point. This was also an episode that introduced a minor change to the Union Fleet uniform. Rather than being colored according to section, the outline and insignia of the badges worn on the left breast of the uniform jacket are now gray. I knew that only from reading it at one point. I definitely didn't notice it during my initial watch through. Yeah, I didn't notice any difference. So it's there, though. But it, yeah. So, like, it's crazy how we watch this stuff for how many episodes and then one little change. I don't notice. Yeah. Like, but it's there. So that's kind of interesting. Do you have a preference between the all gray and then the the colored badges they used to have? (sighs) I kind of like the all colored ones, but I just Mm -hmm. like color. But I think they both, they're both good. Yeah. What about you? I think the colored ones stand out more and the the insignia stands out more. But I also mm-hmm. kind of like the fact that it's subtle with the all gray. Yeah. And and it goes a little more towards Trek with the all gray. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of like it in that regard as well. Yeah, I could see that. I only had one guest star that I noticed from this episode. I know that you have a couple after after I share this. So the same actress who plays Talia also played Lieutenant Janelle Tyler, and her name is Michaela McManus. And so that's been really interesting to see her in makeup and out of makeup. And she played the characters differently, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was really cool. She's tremendous in that role. We had talked about mm-hmm. in a prior episode that she was the same actress. We didn't know how important that was going to be until this episode. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, I don't know, I, I, we'll talk about it during the episode, but I, I thought she did a really good job. I agree. So who are the two guest stars that you found for this episode? So Michelle Boyd is in the episode as Lieutenant Dorsett. She was the officer that Gordon was hitting on in the mess hall. Oh, yes. I didn't recognize her. So yeah. that's actually really interesting. So Michelle Boyd, for people who don't know, and you may or may not, uh, she was from what I've seen, more internet famous than I've seen her like acting in things. Mm -hmm. She was part of an ensemble called Teen Unicorn. Okay. Uh, It was her, Riley of Vanderbilt, uh, Mylon Sarley, and Claire Grant. And Claire Grant is actually married to Seth Green now. I knew that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I saw you like ready to say it. Okay. That's actually really interesting. I did not know she was a part of that. Yeah. She was one of the founding members and then she left the group at one point, I think, to pursue the acting stuff but they they had some internet fame based on some like parody videos that they did on youtube and uh they had done like some shorts for nerdist at one point so they're they're a part of the geek culture i wouldn't have known that because i don't watch team unicorn things but that (laughs) it's kind of neat though that she's in this episode yeah i thought it was cool Mm -hmm. also uh fred tattashore is a krill voice in this episode he doesn't physically appear and i don't know where his voice comes in i probably should have looked that up if you don't know who Fred Tattashore is, he's a prominent voice actor. He does the voice of the Hulk in a lot of the Marvel cartoons. He is Soldier 76 in Overwatch. And he is the modern Yosemite Sam in Looney Tunes. Dang. I would not have known any of that. Overwatch is huge. Mm-hmm. So he plays, Sol- or he does the voice for Soldier 76. He does. 
who I have played a couple of times when I have played Overwatch. So that's actually really neat. Yeah. Uh, I've interviewed him a few times. He's a super sweet guy. He's like a big teddy bear. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I don't know. That's um, that's exciting. And I, I I love that they use someone, a voice actor for, I don't know, because I mean, you don't know under the makeup. It could have been just a random actor. Maybe he did the voice work. Maybe. Oh, yeah. He could have voiced for someone else. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't even consider that. But yeah, totally possible. Yeah. I'd want to be a krill, though. I'd want to be like full under makeup and everything. <laughs> I want the whole shebang. Well, yeah, you and all your your horror and special effects makeup. And, oh, it's so fun. <laughs> it's, it's so fun to like have. I mean, you think about it. They add like a new persona to you mm-hmm. and then you get to like act it out. Like to be a krill would be so fun. I'm just going to put that out into the universe. <laughs> I would prefer to be a Mocklin myself, but <laughs> you have a very nice voice for a Mocklin. I feel like I could play a pretty sassy krill if I needed to. <laughs> <laughs> no contractions out of you. <laughs> no contractions. I know I cannot wait to hopefully do that one. I don't know. I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, getting into the episode, Lieutenant Tharl comes onto the bridge in a sweatsuit, apparently running late to his shift after finishing a jog. Kelly suggests he change into his uniform, but Ed says it's fine because he's got the night shift. I think of you every time I see Thrall now. (laughs) And I was just sitting there like drinking my tea going, yeah, Rob's going to hate all of this. But I will say being in a gross, sweaty tracksuit coming into your job probably not the greatest but i did think it was weird that ed was just like yeah it's fine he can just be a sweaty mess on the bridge yeah i was like bad move ed that's Mm. like not only are you setting a bad precedent for the rest of the crew but he also just kind of undermined kelly it is true oh i didn't even think about that because kelly's like no i think you should go change and then ed's like it's fine but then think about the crew on the bridge too who has to be around him Mm -hmm. like what if he had bo maybe his species doesn't have body odor but it's unpleasant to be around he had that sweat going on and that slight greening around it that definitely go change also on his second esophagus there was some sweat down there yeah there's just mm. I don't know. It is unprofessional. I will. I will give you that, Rob. I don't think it was Ed's call, really, because if again, if the union works at all like Starfleet, mm-hmm. then personnel things are really up to the first officer. And that was Kelly's call to make. That is true. And like throughout, there obviously wasn't any sort of like emergency. He could have gone back to his room change, yeah. which he should have done in the first place mm-hmm. or budgeted his time better. So there's a lot. There's a lot of layers to to thralls and then also you know ed shouldn't have done that but it's because he had a romantic glow to him it's because he's in love he's in love (laughs) (laughs) kelly tells ed that he's been acting noticeably more relaxed lately before informing him that they've been ordered to make another supply run to epsilon 5 lieutenant tyler briefly comes onto the bridge to share her report and ed decides to take off early for the night she's pretty she is pretty Mm-hmm. She's pretty. Um, what's sad about this episode is I liked her character. Yeah. She was a very warm person, I would say, and just she seemed very pleasant. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of interesting to see the contrast between Talea and Lieutenant Tyler yeah. because they're different. They just inherently seem like different people, but she was able to like pretend to be this warm, caring, compassionate person. Like, let's yeah. go on a vacation. Let's go. I don't know. I can see why Ed would have feelings for her or fall for her. Yeah, it's interesting that before we saw the reveal of them being the same person, 
There was absolutely zero hint. Mm-hmm. There, you wouldn't have like I. Okay, so I'm gonna tell everybody. You and I knew. We knew. <laughs> we knew that she was coming back for this episode because of the prior Krill episode that we had watched. Mm-hmm. But it's still. The way it unfolds, I didn't notice the first time I watched this that that was the same person, even though her voice is so similar. Yep. Like, it's crazy how that just the Krill makeup can make you believe she's a different person. And her delivery. She yeah. speaks very differently as Talia. But like mm-hmm. you said, the voice is the same, but her cadence and delivery is totally different between the two characters. So it's easy to make the mistake of she's never been on the show before, mm-hmm. which I think made the reveal more effective. Absolutely. In his quarters, Ed and Janelle are having a movie date night, watching The King and I. The two consider going public with their relationship when Janelle suggests they take a trip. I've never seen The King and I, but this is where the line for the title of the episodes comes. Nothing left on Earth excepting fishes. Honestly, I'm really glad the scene was in the show because my brain was broken trying to understand the title of this episode. Same. <laughs> and I'm glad it was in the first part of the show because I was like, oh, they're pulling it from The King and I. My mind can rest now because of the grammatical issues with the title. But yeah, I think it's interesting that they're on a date. He makes a comment of like, maybe you should pick a movie sometime. But Mm -hmm. she couldn't pick a movie because she's not from this world. (laughs) Exactly. But I just thought the way that she interacted with Ed and just their dynamic was so nice. And it just makes me sad because I am always rooting for Ed. I want him to be happy. I want all the crew to be happy. And so I loved this episode purely based on the compassion that Ed shows throughout it, too. Mm. Like, he seems changed in a way. Yeah. I found it interesting, too, that the one movie she said she liked in this scene is Taxi Driver, which is basically about someone railing against society and, like, going into a violent (laughs) rage about it. (laughs) I've never seen Taxi Driver either. So there's been this thing about me starting a podcast where I watch movies that I've never seen. And it makes me sad because there's a lot I haven't seen. So I don't always get the references like I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. I kn- That's where Robert De Niro goes. You talking to me, right? Into a mirror. Yeah. OK. For a minute there, you look like you're like, no, it's not that I movie. Actually I haven't seen like- Taxi Driver either. Oh, <gasps> guess Rob's doing another podcast but, with me. So. But it's a, it's a movie that I'm familiar enough with because it's part of the culture. Yeah. Even though I've never seen it, I can Mm kind of tell you what happens through a lot of it. Yeah. So it is interesting that that's also a movie that Ed was featuring as this is a classic we need to watch. Of all the movies, Taxi Driver was one of them. I also really like the movie screen. I did too. That they got going on there. Just like hovering above the coffee table type thing. Mm -hmm. Don't need a TV or a wall to project it on. It's just kind of like right there. I dig that. Yeah. I thought that. And it was like. It was a big screen. Like, we we can admit that that was a pretty big screen TV. It looked cozy. Oh, this is something, though. She goes, oh, I'm cold. Like, she Mm -hmm. gets chilly. And so Ed grabs his coat for her. Are there no blankets in the future? That's a good point. (laughs) Because, I mean, you're watching a movie. Mm -hmm. Blankets are kind of a thing, I feel like, for movie watching. And I just noticed when I thought back to all the other episodes, I haven't really seen a blanket. There's, like, bed sheets and stuff. Yeah. I think now that you mention it, though, because this didn't occur to me until you just said that, I think that's a way to circle back later when he puts his jacket on Talia in the cave. Mm-hmm. It is. I think that's just connecting that. Yeah. But in my head, I was thinking about all of the rooms we've seen so far. The environments are very sterile, very mm-hmm. much like next gen. 
very little like decorations, very little um, cozy. It's not it's not like homey. It's yeah. just it's made like futuristic modern. I just thought it was interesting that the ship's, you know, environment simulation isn't working properly. And so <laughs> he has to put a coat on. It's probably working fine for Ed, but then she's mm-hmm. too cold in that temperature. Well, he said, oh, I have to. I told uh, John he needs to fix that. Oh, right, right. And I was like, if the ship, it just, I don't know, shows you that even on a ship like the Orville, there's still problems inherently with the computer program. Yeah, yeah. In the mess hall, Ed tells Gordon that he and Janelle have been dating. And despite his previous crush on her, he approves. Yeah, though it does kind of trigger something in Gordon. (laughs) It does. But props to Gordon for being surprisingly mature here. Yeah, he was the bigger guy for it and that he was happy for Ed. And it didn't seem disingenuous. No, it seemed no. very much like, yeah, man, I'm excited for you. Yeah. And though it did start a little bit of an existential crisis within himself. So. A little bit, a little bit. Ed then goes to Kelly's quarters to inform her as well. But she says she already knows because it was pretty easy to observe. He tells her about the trip they want to take. So she says she'll handle the supply run. Which is also really nice. They're on just an easy mission. Kelly's going to take over, let them go. Yep. It's mature of her, too. Yeah. Like, really mature for her to just be like, yeah, go do it. And seem very supportive of it. Well, she has Cassius now. Yep. And it seems like they've taken a lot of steps to be more mature. Though, when she said, you have, like, 14 smiles. Yeah. That was like a, oh, no, because it's, you know, yes, they were married and stuff, but you don't care about that stuff if you don't have feelings for someone Yeah, I think it's she just was speaking out of experience, the fact that she's seen all those different smiles. And I actually really enjoyed that conversation between the two of them. That shows their genuine chemistry in that scene. And I love just the way that like Ed had that smile at the end. She was like, number four. I know, but it just seemed very intimate. Like it seemed. Well, it is. Which it is. But I don't know. Like if I was Janelle and they had that kind of connection, like that is hard for. I mean, maybe Cassius. Yeah. And if Janelle wasn't a Krill, maybe it would have been difficult for her, too. But oh, yeah. But but you can't unlearn that kind of stuff about no. somebody. It's not like they've been apart for that long, like a little over a year. Yeah. It was just about a year. And, and then whatever time they've been on the ship. Yeah. It just it it felt more than just friends. Well, I think esque. we kind of know there's other I stuff know. going on anyway. But yeah. Yeah. It was very sweet, though. It was a very sweet conversation. And since we always comment on uh, their casual future clothes, I have to say Cassius and Kelly had really good future clothes here. They did. It was very like, yes, future, but not bad future. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very much like like I would say bold patterns from our time. Yeah. And I, I like seeing the future fashion that is awful, too, though, because it inspires us to have conversations about. I don't know what is possible in the future. And I often wonder, because people often say, oh, Star Trek inspired the future. Tablets were first on Star Trek. And mm-hmm. now we have tablets. I'm like, is future fashion going to follow suit? We're going to have awful shoulder pad, silver. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Uh, I hope they in- invent something where I can live for a very long time, just so I can see how the fashion trends go throughout yeah. centuries. Oh, that's what's important to you? <laughs> I hope the world's okay and everything, but I just really want to see the future. Of course, of course. (laughs) With Billy Joel playing, Ed and Janelle depart the Orville in a shuttle. Suddenly, they detect a convoy of three Marauder-class Krill fighters. They engage Cloak to avoid detection, and the ships pass, but soon surprisingly turn around and head back in their direction. They then drive plasma in the area to reveal the shuttle, 
then fire on it to disable the engines. Now sitting ducks, a Krill destroyer swoops in and pulls them in with a tractor beam. That whole sequence was insane. Yeah. It was really well done. And Lieutenant Tyler's just acting all like, oh, no, the Krill. Like, I mean, 10 out of 10 acting there. But just even though she's like throwing out whatever signals from the shuttle that, hey, this is where we are. And the CGI looked really good. It was very interesting to see it all unfold because I obviously have seen this episode before, but paying closer attention just how well she was pretending. Mm and misleading him and making him feel safe when she was the reason the krill were there. Talea is a good actress. <laughs> yes, she is. Oh. Also, more good future clothes. Yes, this was a this is a good episode for future clothes. Yeah, I really liked Ed's jacket. I'm not as big on the undershirt he had on, but the jacket mm-hmm. was was cool. Not too many zippers. No. <laughs> no not too many zippers. <laughs> In Kelly's office, she informs Bordis that they've been assigned a new security chief who will join them next week. Anticipation. Mm-hmm. Bordis is pleased as Tharl annoys him. Gordon enters to submit a request to take the command test. When Kelly asks him why, he simply says he's ready to move up the ranks. Yeah, I knew immediately that Gordon was having kind of a crisis. Mm-hmm. But in, in a way, I can see why. He sees Ed getting the girl that he wanted and probably seeing I, I was when they were having the conversation and sitting in the mess hall, I looked at their shoulders and Ed had obviously the higher rank mm-hmm. than Gordon does. And I was like, I wonder if that would be like a bone of contention at all ever. Just like Between feeling inadequate. Yeah, because you're like, you know, look at Ed, how much he's accomplished. Mm-hmm. Gordon is still the best in the fleet as a pilot, but still ha- feeling like Ed's always a step ahead and that he got the girl that Gordon wanted and it made me think about that. Yeah, I think it wasn't an issue until this. Mm-hmm. There, I don't think there was a reason for Gordon to be like, oh, I want to be in charge. I don't think it was ever about that. Maybe he just wanted to have a higher rank for the sake of hang, having a higher rank yeah. at some point. But I don't think he was ever like, oh, I want to be the captain until this came along. And I think it was motivated because of the girl. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love Bordis's line just of the he will fail. He will fail. Also, Bord is saying like he chews loudly or he, he he masticates loudly. I don't remember exactly what he said about Thrall. Bordis and I are so on the same page about Thrall. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I love Bordis. I mean, I'm going to say it. I love Bordis more than Thrall. So I'm always going to side with Bordis, except when he's cheating on Clyden. <laughs> Ed is now imprisoned on the Krill ship with Janelle nowhere in sight. A guard interrogates him for the Union command codes, but he won't give them up. They then display a view screen that shows another guard torturing Janelle. As they increase the intensity of pain for her, Ed cracks and gives up the codes. I can understand it. He cares about her. We find out later that it's dummy codes. I kind of suspected that at the time, too. I, I, I at the very least was like, why would you not have backup codes to like make him sip? And then that is exactly what he exactly says what, was the case yeah. later. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I... Feel like Ed did give him up pretty easily, though, though they were torturing Janelle. I mm-hmm. get it. But I guess I can't be mad at him because they were already dummy codes. So it's just I guess he had to give up enough fight to make it seem like I can't give them to you. But, oh, you're hurting someone I care about. And I have dummy codes. So it, it does make sense that this is the yeah. the trajectory of it. They did threaten the next step of it being the step that would kill her, too. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to give them up, that's kind of the point where you have to. Yeah. In Dr. Finn's office, Gordon is starting the psychological portion of the command test. As Claire displays a holographic version of a Rorschach test, 
He becomes more and more disturbed by each one, though he never shares exactly what's bothering him about any of them. I loved this scene. Same. I also love I love Rorschach tests just in general. And I just love that he was like, Ew, this is disgusting. And I mean, it's just Rorschach images. It's not. It was really well done and also just showed that Gordon can't keep his cool. Like, it's just already a red flag that he shouldn't be a captain. Oh, yeah. I thought Dr. Finn did a really good job, like, being like, let's just move on. Let's go do something else. I think uh, preventing him from sharing the specifics was actually a pretty brilliant move. Mm -hmm. It lets the audience use their imagination to kind of fill in the blanks. So whenever he's, like, freaking out and reacting, whatever we think that reaction is equal to is what we envision he's seeing. And that's Mm -hmm. far more effective and way funnier than probably anything they could have said. Yeah, well, I know I was headcanoning, like, what could he see in that shape? Yeah. And I enjoyed Gordon's journey through this episode of trying to figure out if he could be a captain. And all signs point to probably not, but I enjoyed seeing the process, too, of what the test is like. Yeah. Like, that's really cool. And the fact that we're told it could take months, even. Yeah, that's the thing, too, where maybe if he stuck with it, though, he could get better at it and... Just he's not starting on the strongest foot. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. We return to Mercer sitting in the Krill cell when Talea appears. Ed demands to see Janelle, and Talea informs him that his request is impossible because she never existed. She then reveals that she and Janelle are one and the same. Through transcellular micrografting, she was able to appear human and fool the Union's bioscanners. She goes on to say that she managed to escape after her initial interrogation after which she chose to become a soldier and volunteered for the mission to capture a Union captain. Choosing Ed for that captain was her idea as revenge for killing her brother and everyone aboard her ship. Understandable. I remember when we watched that episode uh, where they're on the ship and we first meet Talia, mm-hmm. and even then I was like, Ed and Gordon are being very savage in how they're handling this situation. And so, I, I mean, the thing about krill are they are extremists it's just part of it it makes sense that this is what she chose to do Mm -hmm. but she was dedicated oh yeah she took extreme measures also how did she get out of i mean it must be fast to like take the skin grafting off and stuff one would imagine we don't know how long ed was actually there but yeah Mm -hmm. who knows what the full process is like to revert back we could headcanon the crap out of that i'm sure i know and i've tried (laughs) so I won't go down that road, but I I don't know. It's interesting that she was so dedicated and it's like the long con. Mm-hmm. It was a long con and it seems like she's pulled it off. Oh, yeah. Just then, the Krill Destroyer is attacked by another vessel. Ed uses the opportunity to take down a guard and grab a gun. He and Talia make their way to an escape pod and head toward the nearest habitable planet. My first thought here was what kind of escape pod crashes on impact like that? You would think they would be programmed to take a nicer, softer landing, especially if it's like we're escaping so that our lives are saved. And then the mm-hmm. pod just crashes and potentially kills you. What's the point of that? <laughs> Maybe their technology. It is interesting because it's like we find the safest place to go. Oh, we're hit. We're coming in hot. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was more dramatic that yeah. way. Oh, totally. And they Maybe it just doesn't have the proper because it's such usually a panic situation when mm-hmm. you're in an escape pod that. Yeah, you know, all those escape pod situations you've been in (laughs) (laughs) that maybe it just doesn't have the best features for landing. They were okay. They were. 
So maybe that's how they're supposed to land anyway. They'll just don't care. They're like, we're never going to need these things anyway. So. Okay. So wait, the aliens are called Choctaw. The Choctaw. Yep. They reminded me of the Mangalores from Fifth Element. They just had a very similar features and the way they came into the ship, just like guns out. Yeah. Ready to murder. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Ed awakens on the surface near the crashed pod with Talea holding a blaster on him. The planet's magnetic interference prevented her from sending a distress signal, so they must get to higher ground. As they start on their way, they see two Shaktal shuttles in the sky. Talea said they don't leave any survivors, mm-hmm. so the fact that they're just already in orbit, like how did they find them? I guess maybe they tracked the escape pod, but... Impending doom. And Talea just pulls a gun on Ed, and, and just pretty much for the rest of the time they're together, she's got a gun pulled on him. Yeah. And you, you can see Ed wrestle with it. Yeah. I, I mean, it made, it was, I felt like he handled it in a very compassionate and kind way because he was, I mean, essentially in love with her. Yeah. And the fact that he was betrayed didn't really change that. He was hurt, mm-hmm. but he still was kind of looking at her like Janelle. Yeah. Which goes to show that he actually cared about her underneath yeah. physical things because He knows that that person she pretended to be is in there somewhere. Yeah. Meanwhile, Gordon is undergoing the next portion of his test. He's undergoing a simulation where his ship is in a standoff with a Krill vessel who's demanding the release of his prisoners. Unable to talk or fight his way out of it, his ship is destroyed and Grayson ends the simulation. She suggests he call it a day and try again later. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really do a good job, but it was very enjoyable to be a part of the yeah, we eat a lot of fruits and veggies. We're very strong. strong. Lots yeah, of heart. strong. Lots of heart. And just, I thought the krill simulation was really interesting, too. Yeah. Just the way it was responding to him. And we have the new things we installed on the ship. And it, it's pretty much just like shooting yourself in the face. Like, But it, it is interesting. Kelly comes in and says, like, you're, you're improvising. Like, you're thinking on your feet. Mm-hmm. It's a step in the right direction. I mean, you're not going to be successful on your first ever pretend i feel like i would have been like gordon just kind of fumbling my way through it a little bit i was kind of expecting some sort of homage to the kobayashi maru from star Mm -hmm. trek that unwinnable scenario that people have to go through yeah i feel like this one was winnable (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one felt winnable yeah this one felt winnable to me so maybe yeah it could have gone differently maybe if he made different choices on their way ed and talaya discuss what brought them to this point He asks if she actually liked any of the movies they'd watched, and she admits that she liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, but she sympathized with the Nazis. He also wonders if it was all just a ploy, or if at any point she actually felt something. Despite Talia claiming there were never any feelings, Ed's having a hard time accepting that. They manage to hide just in time for a shock tall search party to pass them by. Mercer notices that the sun is coming up, which would kill Talia when it does, so the two look for a cave in the rock formations ahead. They're just in a dangerous situation. She will not let up. Mm -hmm. And that to me is telling that it's like a seething hatred she has for him. I get it, though. She has a lot of reasons. Yeah. Like the whole crew on the ship that she was on and her brother. Mm -hmm. And they think they're doing the right thing because they follow Avis and they have all of this lore and background. And this is their world. And the reason the Shaktal hate them is because they took their land because they felt we were owed this. Yeah, they have that divine right that they say. But they don't see it that way. So they're coming to whenever they find us, they try to kill us. And it's an entitlement thing. Mm-hmm. 
And it, I go back to the long con thing where she pretended to have these caring feelings for Ed. And then out of nowhere, she's literally keeping a gun on. Like, she knows Ed enough mm. to know that he what he's capable of. I just feel like, how do you feel about this scene? So this is a thing I was going to mention earlier because there's another cut earlier that feels a little bit unnatural. I can't recall what it was at the time. But I feel like this kind of uh, run in with the shock tall was a reason to get to a commercial to like have that act break in that moment of tension yeah right before they cut and then come back when it doesn't really matter anymore so i think this is one of the things that i'm really going to enjoy about season three i feel like we're not going to have these cuts where they would throw in the commercials where we had them in the first two seasons Mm -hmm. it'll flow better it will yeah because there are there are some abrupt stops in here there is the part here, too, where Ed uh, actually mentions that it must have been hard for her aboard the Orville with the bright lights. Yeah. Which is something that hadn't really occurred to me, but I got to give him props for throwing in a line of dialogue to just explain that for people who would be questioning it. Like you and I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is something I very much appreciated, too. And at the end of the episode, when they're in the shuttle bay, you can see they've dimmed the lights for her. Yeah. And so I wondered if maybe with that skin grafting, there was some sort of like filter or something that helped her handle that bright light. I imagine if she's if she's changing herself at a biological level, she's definitely altering some things to make it so that she can withstand that environment for sure. One hundred percent. So that I do appreciate, too, is that they do answer questions that arise. Mm hmm. Or could arise and explain it so that as an audience, we're not like, well, I don't know. They don't answer half these things. And I'm always like, well, what about this? Like 90% of the time they answer my headcanon questions. Yeah, that's always appreciated. Gordon is flirting with Lieutenant Dorsett in the mess hall, making sure to talk up his command aspirations. Kelly witnesses this and asks if he's taking the command test to pick up chicks. He admits that being in a command position would change how people see him. And he wants that kind of respect. He goes on to confess that he's become bored with himself, and if he's not enough for himself, how could he be enough for anyone else? Kelly assures him that he doesn't need to be in command to be enough. I thought that was also a very sweet scene Yeah, between the two of them, and obviously Gordon has some insecurities, and I understand him wanting to try to better himself, but I think he did have the wrong motivation for it. Totally. I think he's lonely, too. Mm-hmm. Gordon just wants a lady. Yeah, I, I we see Gordon as a goofball a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it was really nice to see a more vulnerable side of him. Yeah. Because not only does it let us know that there's more to him than what we normally see, but it also gives him a reason for that. He's just kind of insecure and humor is his defense mechanism. And I think for a lot of us, humor is our defense mechanism. Totally. And like I always bring up how this show is very human. And it shows that, yeah, he is trying to better himself. I think he's hopeful that a lady will come out of it. Mm -hmm. But he's still something motivated him to try to realize something about himself or pursue something that could enrich his life in some way, even if he doesn't succeed at it. Yeah. Having found shelter in a cave, Ed and Talia debate their cultural differences, with Ed insisting that their people can find a way to coexist, while Talia believes that the universe is the domain of the krill by divine right. Ed also suggests that there's more of Janelle in Talia than she's willing to admit. I mean, you have to have some layer in there that has the ability to act the way that Talia did mm-hmm. as Janelle. So there's 
there's something there. And I think the rest of the episode does showcase a little bit that I think Talia does care for him more than she lets on. Yeah, I agree. I really like the comment that she throws in about Ed's snoring when he's laying on his back and she's like, mm-hmm. lay on your side because you snore on your back and it's obnoxious. Yeah. That's a little remnant of their relationship kind of resurfacing, almost like an admission that, yeah, Janelle is still in here somewhere, even though she's not willing to outright say it. And I think you can see the rest of the episode is very, she's conflicted. Yeah. Like she has a little bit, maybe it's not super in your face, but she's got a layer of conflict there that she's struggling with. And and props again to McManus for like keeping that subtle. Mm-hmm. We notice it the whole time, but she's not like hitting us over the head with it. No. It's such a good performance in this episode. Mm-hmm. Talia wakes up the following morning and finds Ed missing. As she goes to the cave entrance, she sees him standing just outside. He says, based on the sun's movements, days on this planet must last for about 23 Earth days. Without enough rations to survive that amount of time, he'll need to go alone to send the distress signal, and she'll just have to trust him to come back for her. She's definitely not trusting Ed, Mm. but I think she also is scared. It's like a fear of abandonment kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because she would be pretty powerless if he just left her there. Yeah, she'd be stuck and, like they said, don't have enough rations, whereas Ed could go out and find more. Yeah. She would need to leave the cave and that's not happening. So she has to trust Ed, which is what he asks her to do. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he does call a union ship instead of the krill or whatever. As he should and would. As he should. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at the end of the episode, he still tried to rectify it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I read is that it doesn't make a lot of sense for the planet to have 23 days of light mm-hmm. when nighttime set upon them so quickly, because shouldn't night also take a long time as well, just based on the rotation of things, unless it's a really weird orbit. It might be a really weird orbit, because I know, I think Talea said something about the shuttle or the escape pod looks for the night side of the planet. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like it's just flying through space and it's rotating in a very weird angle so that it's night one day and then 23 days of sun and daylight. Another possibility. Ed was lying. Oh, yeah, but she didn't cross check it. I mean, that is true. <laughs> you just blew my mind. So I don't know. May- maybe he did lie. I didn't I didn't feel like he was lying. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I feel like they would have addressed that at the end of the episode because yeah. they do such a good job about answering those kind of questions. They probably would have said, well, I told her that and she believed me. But then it would if she found out about that ever that he lied to her, right. it would plant more seeds of doubt and make her more of an enemy. And it's honestly something I never considered until I read about that being a possible thing. Mm-hmm. Mercer makes his way to the highest point he can find and activates the signal. The Orville receives it and heads for the planet at maximum speed. Ed sees the Shocktall search party and rushes back to the cave. As Talia can't go into the sunlight, he gives her his jacket to cover her head. Which is also, I think, another show of faith that he's there to make sure she's okay. Yeah, I, I don't think he wants her to die. No, I think in a way he's in love with her, mm-hmm. even if she is a krill. Yeah. It's sad to watch, too, because Ed is so gentle throughout the whole thing. Instead of being like, I can't believe you betrayed me, he's... Very much just like, all right, we got to just work through this, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like because I've seen him react to things in past episodes where he'll just go off the handle off something. And this is different. 
yeah, he's definitely grown up a lot real fast, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I admired the way he handled it. Yeah. The Orville arrives at the planet to find the remains of the destroyed Krill ship. Gordon and Bordis take a shuttle and head for the distress beacon on the surface. When Talia sees the shuttle, she pulls her blaster on Ed and says she won't be taken prisoner. Just then, the Shoktal open fire on them. Ed asks for the gun so he can fight back, and she begrudgingly hands it over. While he holds them off, Gordon positions the shuttle so that he and Talia can get aboard. Once they are, the shuttle takes off. I mean, all of this was just very, like, boom, boom, boom. It was very fast, yeah. But they got saved. The Shoktal were right there. Mm-hmm. And they were intimidating. They were, sc- they were scary aliens to me. <laughs> they were just, like... Because I, I mean, obviously, if you've seen the fifth element, they just were so reminiscent of them, of the aliens from that movie that it just made me, I just, they made me uneasy. I guess I'll just say that. And they, they did seem very aggressive. Well, they're very animalistic too. So it feels like they're just that much more aggressive as a result. Yeah. So, and they saved Talia too. So I was a little surprised that the uh, shuttle didn't fire on the shock tall. We had seen them do something similar to that in into the fold mm-hmm. where they were firing at like the indigenous people there to kind of get them away to rescue Isaac and Claire and the boys and everything. Mm-hmm. But maybe the mountaintop was too unstable. Like maybe if they fired on that, there'd be a rock slide that could potentially hurt Ed and Talia or I don't know. Yeah. All of it just kind of worked out. Okay. Yeah. But there are, there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong in this situation, yeah. but it really it went pretty smooth, considering. <laughs> and Gordon did his uh, did his piloting. He has that moment where they fly towards it. He's like, I got this. I'm a pilot. That's where he got his mojo back. Where He's like, yeah, I am useful. I am like, I don't need to go through the command test to prove myself. And I think that was also a cool thing to see is that in a way it's like with life, he became OK with himself. And I was like, hey, I am enough. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Now back aboard the Orville. Grayson is protesting Mercer's current plan of action, insisting it could lead to a court-martial by the Admiralty. He notes her objections and then frees Talia from the brig. Ed tells her to contact the Krill and send a ship to pick her up. Despite her deception impersonating a Union officer and nearly getting him killed, they're letting her go. I can see his reasoning. Yeah. It also might, I think, in a weird way, he's maybe hoping because he noticed that she was maybe conflicted, that it might increase... The ties between Krill and the humans, mm-hmm. and maybe there won't be as much animosity, even if it's just a seed of it. Yeah, it's a bold maneuver, but I think it's a worthy gamble. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can I kind of side with Ed on this one. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the right move. I completely understand Kelly's objections. Yeah, and it's good that she's warning him of this is what could happen. This is what could happen. She's making him aware of the consequences if it doesn't go as planned. Mm-hmm. Or if, say, Talia leaves and then she goes and does something completely awful and it's going to be on his shoulders. I also think there's a part of Kelly that's just like, that woman mistreated Ed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) deceived him. My my man. Yeah, she's probably a little angry in a personal way, too. Mm -hmm. But it does show how much Ed has grown up. Yeah. A Krill destroyer arrives and Gordon doesn't understand why Ed would take this risk. Kelly tells him that that's command and asks if he's still interested. He gives no response, but seems to get the message. Yeah, it's definitely interesting that Gordon just kind of goes, yeah, I don't really want this, (laughs) which I can understand. Some people don't want responsibility of that magnitude. Mm -hmm. And I probably fall into that category where I will work my butt off and do a good job. But I also don't think I'd ever want to be in a position where you're making calls on people's lives. 
Yeah. So that is a big step from being a pilot, which you are in charge of a lot of people's lives, but he's good at being a pilot. Mm. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe someday he'll be a captain. Maybe You never know where the shows will take you. I actually also like that he didn't really respond to it. He just kind of sat there and absorbed it. Yeah. It was more of a will he, won't he, Mm. which I think was effective because it leaves it open in case he ever does go down that path. Totally. Ed escorts Talia to the shuttle bay where a Krill shuttle enters. Talia suggests that releasing her will not improve relations between their people. But Ed tells her that it must be a defect of his species. They never give up hope. All he asks is that she take a message back to her people. They can keep fighting or they can talk. Before she leaves, Ed gives her a memory stick that contains the best of Billy Joel and tells her that if she ever wants to have another movie night, she knows where to find him. She gives Ed a final look before boarding the shuttle and departs. That's always been interesting to me. Yeah. Just the, if you ever want to have another movie night. That was an interesting, it's the one line that kind of rubbed me weird in that whole scene, but I kind of get it. I think it's Mm -hmm. really just his olive branch, even though I think they could have had enough with just the, here's the best of Billy Joel and that been it. I felt like the movie night thing was maybe a step too far in that direction. Yeah. But I kind of get it for the character. Yeah. He's probably a little bit wounded and trying to maybe see Mm -hmm. like, you know, stuff did kind of work out. Like maybe at some point, maybe Ed's open to being in a human krill relationship. He didn't seem opposed to it in any way. And as much as she hurt him badly, he's he's weirdly okay. Yeah, he is weirdly okay, but I think it's because, I mean, it's a very complicated situation, Mm -hmm. but I do think he does have genuine feelings and he cares about her. And he also probably realized, like, I killed her brother and a bunch of her friends. And I get it. I I feel like it's it's so complicated that he's just doing his best to manage his own feelings Mm -hmm. and probably not be upset uh, about things and realize that. We're all just in a in a very colloquial way. We're all just people. Yeah. And I can see why Talia did it and I can see why Ed did it. All right. What is your big takeaway from this episode? I really have been enjoying like every episode from this season so far. This one was really good in the sense that it just we got to see Ed grow up a bit. But I feel like the conversations were really good between Talia and Ed, and that they, I mean, Talia once like laid into Ed about his marriage and why it didn't work. And the acting, while some of it was very subtle, was really good on like McManus's part, um, but even on Seth MacFarlane's part too. Just like the way that they worked together and it showed a very difficult relationship dynamic. But I really like the way they handled it instead of it being angry and frustrated and, oh, my God, everything like it was calm and deliberate. And I really appreciated that because they could have easily gone a very dramatic route for this episode. And I think they it was a very I don't know. I, I just felt like it was a very an adult episode, if that makes sense. It does. But I appreciated that it was handled in that way mm. instead of in an immature or pointing fingers. And I think underneath all the layers, it just shows a very human side to all of us and even with Gordon's storyline. So I felt like this was a very impactful episode. The CGI looked really good and I am curious if we'll ever see Talia again. Yeah, 
that's that's a big one because she leaves in a very interesting way where it makes you really really want to know what's going to happen between the two of them in the future even if it's not romantic like they've now extended this olive branch to the krill as a whole the long con might result in something different maybe right Mm -hmm. what did you think i like this episode a lot as well i was surprised how long it felt and i don't say that in a bad way because sometimes when you say something feels long it's because it was boring or or got dragged out i don't feel all that way about this i felt like it was long in the sense that they got so much done within this amount of time it felt like a movie length thing but Mm -hmm. they, they got a ton accomplished in this episode even though we didn't get a lot from isaac clyden wasn't here john was not really present no a lot of the main cast was very supportive this week even bordis yeah it was very much kelly ed obviously talaya and gordon focused and it allowed them to get deeper into those characters and i always appreciate when a show takes the time to do that and really teach us more about the people that we're watching mm-hmm. shockingly much of this episode takes place away from the orville which is usually a sticking point for me. Mm-hmm. But this episode's too good that it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah. it, that can be a sticking point for me. But if you give me an episode of enough quality, that goes away. And it's just a good episode. And that's what I felt here. Okay, I, I agree. I feel like, you know, I don't mind the off-ship episodes, but I can understand the appeal of being on the ship. And I hate themed episodes, so I really am not one to talk. But this one... The way it was set up was more focused on the characters yeah. than like the environment they were in. And I really like I loved being on the Krill ship. The lighting on this whole I know this is silly to say, but the lighting in this episode is really good. It is. The lighting is fantastic throughout the entire episode. I do appreciate the jumping back and forth between the Orville and the planet's surface. That was good as well. Uh, Talea is far better at impersonating humans than Gordon and Ed are impersonating Krill. <laughs> that is very true she did her homework (laughs) yeah yeah but here's here's something i did wonder after the fact i wonder since she was impersonating a dark matter cartographer how she could have possibly learned how to do that job i also was wondering that but she maybe that's just something the krill no maybe so we know the union learned how to do that from priya because they saw her do it and they kind of They kind of examined it from what they saw and taught themselves how to do that as well. So it feels like it's a really advanced skill that I doubt the Krill would naturally come across, especially because they are such a military focused society. A lot of time, I think, has passed, though, since the Krill episode with Gordon and Ed. Mm -hmm. So maybe she just I mean, when you're mad or you're motivated to get something done. Yeah. Maybe she just did like a crash course in cartography to get by. And maybe it is interesting, though, that in my head canon, I go, oh, it's just something Krill are probably taught in school. And she was a school teacher. So she just already knew how to be a cartographer. Maybe. I mean, the other possibility could just be that she's the only one on board who really knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. So she was just making it look like she knew how to do it, because even though they first saw this happen on the Orville. That doesn't mean anyone on the ship actually understands what dark matter cartography actually is. True. And she's just smart enough to BS her way through it. That's very true, too. It's a very new field. So it's honestly the perfect 
perfect thing for her to be yeah. brand new at and nobody else to know what's going on. <laughs> no one's questioning her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also felt like a really big episode for Ed. Kind of like we said, he grew a lot during this one. He's also now been romantically deceived by two different women. Priya being the first. He might not just be bad at love. Maybe. <laughs> he might have blinders on. It's interesting that they're both involved with dark matter in some way, though. <laughs> oh, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled in the future episodes for <laughs> any correlations. Any normal person I feel would like be a mess after everything that Ed's gone through. But instead, he retains affection for Talia and even goes a step further by uh, trying to use their relationship as an opportunity to start peace talks between their two species. I thought it was a very Picard-like thing to do. Yeah, this was more Picard than how he handled Priya. He was very cold about Priya, but I understand that Priya was not a good person. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe that was more of a whirlwind romance, and this one was seems more long-term. Yeah, it felt like they spent a decent amount of time together. At your core, though, like you can wear a mask for long enough I feel like maybe there was enough time that passed with Talia and him that he knows maybe deep down there's a good egg in there. Mm -hmm. Not like a Mocklin egg, but like an egg. An egg, like a good egg. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do because Katie's husband, Mark, is a big fan of the Orville as well and always leaves us with his one sentence review. Just like Mercer, I have 15 smiles. 12 are for awkwardly greeting passersby on the street, one is for actual joy, and two are for constipation. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at Katie Peters Plays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in In the the future. future.